Okay, does everyone have a handout and do you have a pen that you can fill in blanks with or pencil or whatever? You need the handout, okay. Um, can someone that's in the back that has a stack of handouts, if you can give those to the people that don't have one that slipped in early maybe or something, okay. All right, well you all are, um, so kind and helpful as, as my, on my journey, just as I'm um, researching things. And this is something I have um, kind of researched for a long time. It's a blessing. It's a um, blessing to me. It's a need in my own life. Um, and even just the way we think as ladies sometimes just needs to be readjusted a little bit. <clears throat> but I've never done it in a setting like this. And so with a handout and, and I was trying to put it all together, um, notes and stuff to speak with you. Um, so, so I might be a little bit more nervous as I, as I give it as well. But it also, I remember um, last time I was here, I had this Who Is This God booklet. And it just gives you things to meditate to get that relationship going. Sometimes you have your devotions, but it's just checking off the list. And you don't have that relationship. And where you love on God and God loves on you back. And that's what this is designed for, just to give you that, um, that hug from the Lord, so to speak. And that he's your father, he gives father, he, attention to the fatherless, he loves you, he likes you, he doesn't want you to be afraid, he gives you peace, he heals your wounds, he forgives you, and you just meditate on maybe one little section a day in your devotions. Uh, we use this for the teen girls, uh, well, all the teens that make decisions, but um, now on Fridays, I'll usually speak to the girls for a little bit, and then we just divide them up in the auditorium, and they spend um, 20 minutes. A lot of times we have to go a little bit um, shorter, but five minutes just meditating on who God is, five minutes praying for needs in their own life, and there's some, um, some prayer-type things that you can pray for, um, like as a mother, as a wife, um, as a husband, as a dad, um, as sing, a single, and just spending time praying for yourself needs in your own life, five minutes praying for that, five minutes um, praying for prayer requests like that you would normally do on a prayer thing, and then at least five minutes in God's Word. Well, that's been expanded um, to where you can spend an hour with the Lord and different sections and things too. Um, but this is just kind of sometimes when somebody's just starting out um, to give them just 20 minutes. And so we'll do that, and we, we separate them. They separate out, and, and then we have harp music playing. And they spend, they spend time. Then we say, okay, it's time to go to the next section. And it has been wonderful for the girls. Sometimes the, one of the first times they've really met with the Lord and sensed his presence. And then we'll say, okay, how many would take the 21-day challenge to, that would say, I want to spend at least 20 minutes a day with the Lord for 21 days? And I would say half to three quarters of the girls take those. And you know, we can't go, we can't keep staying because we only stay a week. But if we can get them meeting with the Lord, um, they, that can completely change their life. They can keep doing that even after we've left. And uh, it was interesting because we were close enough about three weeks later to a place we had already been. And quite some of the kids came over to our campfire service and they gave testimonies about just meeting with the Lord. And that was, that was so special. But I know, and I probably have said this before, but um, I was real 
careful to teach my girls to uh, work ethic and manners and um, consistency with their devotions and everything like that. But one of the things that I needed to deal more with, dive in more, was relationship. And I thought we did, you know, because we would we'd jump on the bed and talk as girl talk, and because we were all girls except my husband, and um, and we had a great time. But when I started getting them one on one, and just walking the parking lot or whatever, and these would start opening up in a way that they didn't when it was all three, all of us four girls, and it was so life changing, really. And I realized, okay, I've worked hard on the other side but I've got to pour myself now into that relationship. And the more I give them, the more they want. When I come home, mom, can I take you for coffee? Mom, can we go on a walk? Mom, can we go for breakfast? And they just crave that relationship. And I started realizing the same thing is happening in my walk with the Lord. That I I've always, you know, pretty much had my prayer list and everything, but to spend the whole first time just in relationship. Just letting him love on me, me loving him in return, learning who he is, all of that. So that's what this is designed for. And uh, we printed up 30 more. I'm pretty sure a lot of you probably got this last time. But if you have lost it or you didn't get it or you know someone it would be great for, um, you can get that from up here or she will make a list if there's more. If we use up the 30 and we need more, she'll make more. Okay? All right, if you would get look at the handout, and um, <clears throat> I don't know how many of you have ever struggled with assurance of salvation. Uh, that can be absolute torture. If you are constantly wondering, oh, I wonder if I'm saved, and I wonder if, I've, if I um, you know, was sorry enough, and I, I wonder if I believed enough, and I wonder, um, you know, if, did I have too much pride? And, and you all do, always do that. And normally, if you listen to it, it's all, did I, did I, did I? And salvation is all the Lord. All you have to do is reach out and take the gift, okay? Um, but when you get an overemphasis on looking on yourself, you're ever, forever going to be um, insecure on your salvation. And it is torture because you know the risk is hell. And every night you can be thinking, oh, you know, am I really saved and, and all until you stop looking at your works. Okay, Satan is all about looking at your works to see if you're saved. Sure, you're saved. You go to church, you read your Bible, or surely you're not saved. And he wants to get you mixed up in it all. Um, by, oh, but he always points to your works to look at it. And the Lord always points to your faith. Examine yourselves to see if you be in the what? In the faith. So he's more like, okay, open your heart. What are you trusting? Okay, I'm trusting Jesus. He died for me, shed his blood, and rose again. Okay, then you're saved. Examine yourselves to see if you be in the faith. Uh, now, the, if, you're, if you're not doing or doing wrong things, you know, then that same Savior that saved you from um, hell wants to save you over here too and change your life. But that's not what you look at to see if you're saved. You'll be forever doubting your salvation. Um, but you look at, when you start doubting, you say, okay, what am I trusting? I'm trusting Jesus and nothing else. I am saved. Okay? The other is torture. Okay, but this is another area of torture for a woman, is perfectionism. And it really is a mindset. You might say, oh, I'm not perfectionist. You should see my house. Okay? <laughs> well, you can still have perfectionist thinking, or you can be a perfectionist wannabe and still struggle with a lot of it. And it can be torture because it also is performance-based. 
It's a workspace, just like all of this was. And you, you're constantly thinking, if I don't reach this standard of perfection or level of achievement, God won't like me. Or um, other people won't like me. And it, you get in this wrong mindset. Perfectionists set up standards and, and images for themselves and, and others that are impossible to meet. They find that much of their time and energy is spent trying to meet expectations and trying to control their environment. And the people around the perfectionists are expected to work just as hard at meeting those standards. Okay, so perfectionist isn't usually just happy perfecting herself. She wants to perfect everybody around her too. And those people don't take that too kindly. You know, they, they, don't, want, um, they don't want her doing that. And we'll learn more about that. So um, if your Christian life is heavy and your burden isn't light, then either you are, a, you are in perfectionism, okay, perfectionist mindset, or you have the right idea of what God wants, but you're trying to do it without Holy Spirit enabling, okay? You're struggling in your own strength to do something. But uh, what I want you to look is um, take the symptoms. Look at the symptoms. Take the test to see if you are a perfectionist. A perfectionist has all or nothing, either or thinking. Okay? All or nothing, either or thinking. You're either gorgeous or, lovely, or ugly. <clears throat> You're slim or obese. You're popular or a nerd. Okay, this is how you think of yourself. Okay? You're smart or you're dumb. There's no in-between. You're a great mother or you're a lousy mother. Okay? All or nothing, either or thinking. And you'll notice, um, if you remember when we discussed insecurity, some of the same symptoms are there, but it's a little bit different mindset that has to be um, corrected. You vow to be perfect, you break your vows, and you don't want to try again. You have success amnesia. You're not able to remember past victories, but rather think about the wrong, one wrong chord you played during your piano recital. You relive what you said wrong in a conversation. Okay, I do that. I do that sometimes. Um, if you can't have devotions the way you want, you just won't have them at all. <clears throat> you have to be perfect. If your room can't be perfect, you just won't clean. And you stress over non-essentials. Yeah, I do that sometimes. But it's really funny, and I'll tell you this, but it's, it's going to ruin you for life. Um, sometimes a perfectionist wife will correct her husband's story while he's telling his story. And they're all non-essentials. Like, who, the listener really doesn't care. And um, the, so the husband, you know, maybe he's, he has a hard time telling stories, but he finally is telling a story, and he says, you know, um, <clears throat> the other day, our family had a chance to, to go canoeing. And the wife says, no, honey, it was kayaking. It was kayaking. Oh, that's right, yes. It was on Thursday, our family went kayaking. No, honey, honey, it was Wednesday. It was Wednesday. Oh, that's right. It, on, you know... Why don't you tell the story? Okay, have you seen that happen? Okay, you're stressing over non-essentials. He's not trying to lie, okay? Um, and so, but that's a perfectionist. Very hard unless everything is, is perfect. All right, you've, uh, the tyranny of the shoulds. The tyranny of the shoulds. I should have scrapbooked every year. Oh, my kid is not, it's time for them to leave the home. They have just a wad of pictures, okay? Or I should have taped my kids' voices every six months 
So I'd remember those cute little things they said. Well, that would be wonderful, but most of us don't, right? And um, so don't get, don't get obsessed with it now when you go home. Think, oh, I didn't do that either. Okay, the tyranny of the shoulds. A fear of failure, a fear of failure. You don't try something new because a fear of failure of not doing it perfect. You're paralyzed from doing God's will, like playing special music, witnessing, out of fear. I might mess up. Okay, you won't start a project because you don't know the perfect way to do it. You resolve to try harder and be perfect the next time. You dread future commitments, thinking more pressure, more drama, so you don't want to think of the future. That's um, different from um, the Proverbs 31 lady who talks about um, she shall rejoice in time to come. She looks forward to the future to what God has for the next day. You tend to blame others for your lack of perfection. Ah, I'd be all right if it wasn't for this. Okay, you have a need for control. Your house must be perfect at all times or you go out of control if someone comes over unplanned. You try to plan in, in advance for the, in case anything would happen. You have a certain amount, if you have to have a certain amount in the bank to feel secure. You live by lists of to-dos. Now, not that lists are wrong, but um, you often have if-only thinking. When someone is caught in this trap, it's easy to externalize the struggles. If only I had a spouse. If only I didn't have kids. If only I had more money. If only my kids were less trouble. If it weren't for all the external forces pressing in, everything would be perfect. Okay, but God wants to be in control, not you. <laughs> he doesn't want you to be in control. He wants to be in control, and you're just yielding to his, his plan. There has to be a point where we release control and let him control our present and our future. Okay, then insecurity, we talked about this last time. <clears throat> a lot of insecurity is comparing yourself to other people. Okay, I'm not athletic enough, I'm not pretty enough, I'm not thin enough, I'm not. And you, you look at other people and you compare yourself there. You'll, and you'll forever be insecure. But instead, you should look to the Lord and say, God, how did you make me? And what do you say about me? Oh, I'm accepted, I'm complete in you, I'm a work in progress and you're not giving up on me? You like me? You've given me a spiritual gift that I can use to minister in the church? And you get all that fullness. And then the only reason you reach out is to minister to other people and to use your spiritual gift in the context of the church. But if you start ministering and all of a sudden you say, I don't play the piano like Mrs. Ingram. And God says, stop it. Stop it. I have a different will for her life than I have for yours. Find out what I have for you and do that. So if you start feeling insecure, back up you go. Okay, God, who do you have me to be? And you get your fullness, and then you reach out and minister again. And I think that's still on your, um, your podcasts if you want to listen to a whole section on insecurity. Okay, back to our perfectionist. A perfectionist has relational issues. Relational issues. They suspect other people's behavior and motives. Um... This is speaking as a, as a perfectionist. We don't want average in our relationships. We want the perfect marriage with the perfect partner. 
We also want to be perfect parents who raise perfect kids who require nothing from us and do everything right. Does anybody have those kids? <laughs> okay. Um, I, kept, I didn't have any kids that you just looked at and they wanted to do right. Um, there are those, I think, um, but I, I didn't have any of those. Uh, when a perfectionist first meets someone, that person is idealized and perceived as being perfect. Things couldn't be better. But as the relationship progresses and the individuals get to know each other better, or after they get married, the fantasy collapses. The other person is seen realistically with faults and foibles. No longer a prince or a princess. The individual becomes a project. It's time to perfect the now non-perfect spouse. One perfectionist told me how she had to keep changing friends. Whenever she was disappointed by a friend, she completely cut off any more contact with that person. Okay, that perfectionist. All right, here's some other, that are, these aren't in your outline, you can jot them down if you like. Um, a perfectionist is intolerant and intense. They're a very intense person, okay, a perfectionist. Um, if you're a perfectionist, you are disgusted with other people who don't measure up to your standards. And this is key. You have a hard time submitting to the authority of anyone who you see as imperfect. Okay, that is huge. Your authorities are going to make mistakes just like you make mistakes. And a perfectionist has a really hard time if she sees one of her authorities make a mistake. Okay, that, that's a big uh, flashing light. You are lonely because you alienate people. Okay, you might feel like I'm, I'm respected, but nobody really wants to get close. That's because you're probably a perfectionist. And when they get close to you, you see their imperfections. And so um, you might be respected, but not have a lot of close friends. You earn acceptance by performance. And really, that is a good definition of perfectionism. You earn your acceptance by performance. You develop externals versus internals. Okay, I think I do have that written on there. You develop externals versus internals. Now, I know when um, my brother-in-law, who pa is my pastor, and, and he would say that you need to try to let your kids excel in something. Find something they can excel in. Cooking, sewing, speech, um, whatever it is, music, um, sports. Find something that they can excel in. So here we were going to be traveling, and I thought, okay, well, we'll do, we'll do music. And, um, but I, I didn't want to do violin. I just thought, oh, you know, I'm an older parent. We were married 11 years before God gave us kids and lost five along the way, and I didn't know that my nerves could, you know, take it. So um, I played piano, not greatly, but I, I could at least teach piano some. And um, so <clears throat> Stephanie brings me... Um, has me write, draw a paper violin. So I draw a violin on paper, she cuts it out. I don't know how many paper violins I drew her. And then she makes a case for her paper violin. So we let her start violin. And um, then, then Jana, we started her about the same time, but she would do just a couple notes and she'd go, I'm so tired. And I thought, oh, brother. So I thought, well, maybe it's just supposed to be Stephanie. But, but then Jana started going to group and seeing all these other people play. And she popped in and caught up with Stephanie. And, and she is probably our most naturally 
um, gifted musician. I mean, they, they all play and do, do great, a great job. But, um, but I'm, glad we didn't, I'm glad we didn't stop. Well, then Annalise came along, and, and she, um, she would play as well. But I tried to be very consistent. It was just like brushing your teeth. It wasn't a question, are we going to practice today? Um, you know, we just, we just practiced and, and tried to be very consistent. <clears throat> and the Lord just seemed to almost verbally, but it wasn't verbally, um, say, okay, now you can turn out great musicians that aren't great Christians. And it was like a dagger that went in. And I think I was already working with them on, on scriptural things and things. But it was like the Lord said, you need to be just as consistent with their time with the Lord as you are with practicing. Um, you know, their devotional time, their Bible memory, just everything you need to be just as. And so I really tried to be just very consistent with that as well to where that was just what, what we do. And, um, but it's real easy because you can't measure it, can you? They're spiritual stuff. Just like your devotions, it's easy um, for you to get your house cleaned and your meals done than to have your time with the Lord because it's hard to measure it. And you don't see the change that's happening as much. Um, and a perfectionist is more performance. So they're going to be even more on this side, but to also um, be developing the, the internal. You can end up, but you can measure this, like, you know, um, how fast they can run, all this stuff, how, how good of an instrumentalist they are. And it can almost foster the pride in the parent because of all the externals, the externals their kids have. And so you can't do it a pride issue or to look better as a parent. Um, you, if you are going to do music, or I tried to pick something that then they could use in the future that would help them in their, in their ministry and things. Um, but it should be you're developing them so that they can worship God in, with that and to serve other people with that, not to just not to foster pride or or anything. Um, you know, it's there's hardly anything worse than a, a kid that is musical that is proud proud about it. Um, I think we had a little kid that stood next to one of our guys that that traveled with us, and I don't know whether she was him like um, you're singing a little flat you're you know you or whatever uh, you don't want to get that you don't want to get that edge um, that on them and I remember uh, not too long ago talking to our, our middle daughter and she her real her passion is soul winning and discipleship it really is that is what she absolutely loves and um, and I asked her you know when you marry somebody did they do you think they need to be musical she said no and she said, you know, I would be sad if my music was somehow taken. You know, she enjoys it. But she says, as long as my soul winning and discipleship wasn't. You know, that is really where her, her passion is. And it's, it really is incredible. I don't know if I, I think I've probably told you different stories, but I don't know if I told you this, this recent one was just really something. She was helping Stephanie and Ryan in um, RU. And so she needed to find an attic. And so she went to Walmart, and she, she prayed before she went, and she, then she came back out, went to her car, and she, um, she was at the car, and she hears a knock on her window. And she said, um, so she rolls down her window, or whatever you do, you push the button, or whatever you do these days. And, um, and the lady said, you know, I was in Walmart and saw you, and I wanted to talk to you, but I didn't, and here you are parked right next to me in my car. And she said, I, um, I, I've been praying that God would send me to a Christian. 
uh, are you a Christian? And Jana goes, are you an addict? <laughs> and she said, well, she said, um, I've given up drink or something, but she pulled out a vape machine or whatever they have, and she says, I have this I'd like to get rid of. So Jana talked with her, and she said, you know, we have RU meets on Fridays, and she was there on Friday. And Jana would take her home to not a good section of town uh, or pick her up or, or whatever. And, um, and that's just what Jana's life. I mean, she loves soul winning and discipleship. So you can have the work on the externals and develop things that you, that you can use in ministry, but you can't forget the internals because that is what is really going to uh, matter. Okay, um, you despise, back to relationship issues, if you're a perfectionist, you despise weakness. You often use people to improve your self-image. Okay, you're not really concerned about them deeply. You just use them, okay, to, to, to facilitate your, where you're headed. Okay, a perfectionist has a control facade. You act like your act is together, so other people will like you more. Uh, you think, if I can keep it all together, nothing bad's going to happen to me. You have physical problems, digestive problems, headaches, depression. It takes a lot of energy to be perfect. Okay, so you can have your body cannot want to cooperate. Now, why, what causes perfectionism? What causes perfectionism? Comparisons, maybe you, you look at models or advertisements, friends' comments like, oh, you need to work on this and you become perfectionistic about it. But the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 10, 12, comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. Okay? Unrealistic expectations, and often it comes from parents or authorities in your life. Unrealistic expectations. A highly, and so think of this as parents, too, if you are this way to your kids. Highly critical parents can throw their kids into perfectionism. If you're highly critical... Um, or it can make your kids just want to give up. They try, they can't do it, forget this, and they give up. They don't want to please you anymore. It's too high of an expectation. These parents' authorities may give love in exchange for achievement. If you do what I want, I'll snuggle with you. You might not say that, but are you kind of doing that without realizing it, that... It's when they please you with achievements that you give them the love, the high grades. And is it things that make you look good? When your kids make you look good, then you're going you're gonna to give them love. Where we need to give love and acceptance whether or not they've earned it or deserve it. And sometimes when they're little and they're just constantly doing things wrong, you just feel like you tense up all the time. And they need that love even when they haven't earned it and they don't deserve it. Lack of affirmation and vision from parents and authorities in your life. Um, you need with your kids to affirm them in who they are. Not just um, in what they do. And to cast vision for them. You are going to be a great mother. 
You know, I can see you're going to have that house all organized and you have a real gift that way. Or you have really discernment. Boy, you can, you really can understand, you know, people. And, uh, but make sure you go out that you're burdened for those people. Don't get critical. You know, God's given you that gift of discernment. And have vision, affirmation for them. And then how, um, how do you do with other people's kids? There's, I just talked to a um, missionary pastor's wife, and they have a very small church, just really insy. And she's, their kids are the only kids in the church. But she said they, um, that they don't, people don't have any vision for our kids. Like they don't affirm them. They don't, so they're, they're just are there, but they don't give any attention to our kids. And then they go on deputation, and they have so much attention to the kids. And so it's, it's kind of a different thing. But how are you with other people's kids? Do you just praise them for their achievements? Or do you praise them for who they are? Wow, that was honest. I really appreciate you being honest. Or, boy, you're so gentle that way. And for who they, who they are. Um, there was one young man that told me recently, and I think he traveled quite a while ago, and he said, you know, there was a time that someone came to Dr. Jim and said, can, um, I think it was Wyatt, can Wyatt preach? And Dr. Jim says, oh, yes, Wyatt can preach. Oh. Wyatt told me later that comment meant so much to him. And I told my husband, my husband doesn't even remember saying it. But um, how do you talk, how do you encourage other people's kids? Or other people in your life, do you cast vision for them in their calling, in what God's called them um, to do? Okay, how, so how do we get deliverance from this? Uh, we first diagnose your areas of perfection. And I meant to tell you to do that along the way, just put little checks by ones that are true of you. Know your areas of perfection. Then catch yourself, have a mind transformation, catch your unbiblical mindset. When it pops up, catch it. Okay, each time you have a thought like, I have to have my devotions today or God won't like me anymore. Okay, that is perfectionistic thinking, you tell yourself. God loves me just as much if I have my devotions as I don't, when I don't. But I'm doing it to seek a relationship with him. I'm not doing it out of duty, and his love for me is not based on my performance. Okay, so as soon as you catch yourself in one of those areas, you say, nope, that's perfectionistic thinking. This is the truth. Okay, and you renew your mind that way. Be assured that God values you and wants to be close to you. Be assured that God values you and wants to be close to you. That is a thought that has meant a lot to me recently. That, you know, if I, was, if I was Jesus, and after I had died on the cross, got to go back into heaven and be with my Father, I would be like, oh, I'm so glad to be done with those humans. <laughs> Wouldn't you? But what do you say? I go to prepare a place for you. I go to prepare a place for you. I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. What? He wants to be with me for all eternity? Like, he, he likes you. He loves you. He wants to be with you. So be assured of that, and it'll help you with your deliverance over perfectionism. Allow yourself to be humor, human. 
realize trying hard for acceptance is perfectionistic thinking. Allow yourself to be human. The right thinking is, I have shortcomings and limitation, and God loves me, flaws and all. So when I'm with people and I see their imperfections, I need to love them, flaws and all. And almost get a kick out of their flaws, okay? Have it be something that causes you to like them even more. All right, accept others not based on their performance but who they are, their identity. I was recently um, talking with a lady that had been um, abused. Her, there were eight or nine kids in the family. They were all abused. It was horrible. And I asked her if I could just share a little bit with, with you all on it. But, um, and she gave me permission. But she said uh, she, would, she would just go through, and it was... It was terrible. I have such a hard time, especially hearing of children that are abused. That is very difficult for me to even hear. And, and it was an awful, just an awful situation. And the mother knew about it. The dad would abuse the children. It was terrible. And so she went through adulthood trying to find somebody that could counsel her, and nobody would counsel her. And finally, uh, fairly recently, she went and saw a counselor, and the counselor said for the first two times, for two times of meeting, he would just have her tell, he said, tell me everything. And she would go into everything. And then the third counseling session, he said, he worked with her identity, and he said, this is not who you are. And that is such a help. This isn't who you are. And you need to learn who God is and let him tell you whatever foibles you have or imperfections or whatever, he's interested in who you are, <clears throat> not in your performance. And one thing that was such a help to her, and that's with that who is this God can be a help, is she started realizing and claiming um, how what her er heavenly father was that was different from her earthly father and found that she could revel in who God was and the very opposite parts of who her dad was. And that is, that's one of the keys of healing is not to focus on that, but focus on the truth. Focus on who God is and want, who, how he wants to meet your needs. Sometimes it's good just to finally tell someone everything and then work through it, find the error and the truth and all of that, and then put that aside and go on. But, um, but and if you're a counselor, you need to listen and sympathize and not say, well, all things work together for good. Okay, that is true. But sometimes you have to process things and renew the mind is also in Scripture and is very much a part of it. Okay, let others carry some of your load. To get help, give up the idea that you can do it yourself, that you can do it alone. Every perfectionist thinks it can be done better alone. But if you're going to break free, you are going to need help. Re-examine your goals. Another way to re-examine goals is to examine that one has only one year left to live. This is good. This is really good. What effect would that have on your goals if you knew you had one year left to live? The emphasis may shift from what can be achieved or accomplished to what can be experienced. That is so good. Uh, we just got 
something from a pastor's wife that um, is going to probably die shortly. And, and it was a shock to her, I think, shock to us. And so for Christmas, the kids got, had a vacation. They did a paid for a vacation so all of them could be together. And don't you think that's what she's wanting? Is the relationship. Not do, 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 do. Um, you know, not all fix all the meals, all clean. You guys have a good time together. It's kind of like, forget this. I want to meet with every single grandchild and cast vision for their life and tell them how much I love them. It's the relationship. So that's what we need to be doing now, is having that. Established um, time limits. If a limit is set, the necessary items in the project will be done with little more time for doing extras. Okay, remember, a perfectionist stresses on non-essentials. So you're cutting out the non-essential time. Reset personal goals. Have lists, but remember, not everything must be done today or must be done perfectly. Uh, one of the things in my prayer journal I have that I try to um, remember most days is I'm, to say in my own heart, I'm dead to my own schedule, desires, and recognition. I'm dead to my own schedule, desires, and recognition. So I might have my list of things for the day, but if somebody calls and has a need, that's God's will for me that day. I can set aside. The list will always be there. Trust me. <laughs> Okay, all right, set sub-goals. Sometimes perfectionists are driven by a need for closure to the point that they cannot rest until a task is finished. The tendency can be softened by setting sub-goals that when accomplished give a sense of closure without the urgency of doing it all. So okay, so take a a whole goal. Uh, I need to white glove the house. Okay, this is my day for this bedroom. This is my day for the kitchen. This is my day and set sub-goals. Realize that you can learn from your mistakes. Give yourself permission to make mistakes. Okay, that's for me. Okay, I need that. Um, because I don't allow myself to make mistakes sometimes. Um, I can actually struggle with this if somehow, especially if I unintentionally hurt somebody's feelings. It absolutely drives me crazy. I will relive that. I will grieve I will berate myself on something like that if somehow I feel like I've hurt somebody's feelings. And you definitely need to go to that person and get that right. But then you need to trust God that he can use that in your life and he can use that in that person's life. They have the same Holy Spirit that you have. They, um, he's a spirit of truth. He can help that person, whoever you're, uh, maybe you feel like you've offended, to let them see the real you and the truth and all of that. So, um, and you might have to say, God, I feel like I've made a mess out of this, but I'm believing your word that you can work it together for good in my life and in that person's life. Now, do you go to them? For sure you go to them. But then a perfectionist has a hard time letting it lie. Like they just, um, they just keep at it in their own minds. And two words that have meant a lot to me this year is rest and trust. Just rest and trust the Lord. Don't feel like you have to go in and repair everything and do the Holy Spirit's work on some things. Just rest, sit back and watch him work, and trust him. Um, A perfectionist feels like she just can't tell God what she's really thinking or who she really is. She almost feels like she has to perfect her act before she comes and talks to God. 
And you need to learn to put it all out there. Okay, God, this is the mess I got in. This is what I said. This is what I... And you let him help you, straight, help you straighten, straighten it through, go through it. And <clears throat> I just recently, I think last Wednesday, heard a message on Peter. And isn't Peter an encouragement to us? We put our foot in our mouth or, or whatever, that <clears throat> he kept doing it. And it's like the Lord almost got a kick out of Peter. And he kept loving him because his love was not based on performance. If it was, poor Peter would have been gone a long time ago. And God, Jesus would have been looking for somebody perfect, a perfect disciple. But did he have perfect disciples? For sure not. Okay? And that can be encouragement to the rest of us. Also, your kids need to be able to watch you when you fail and see how will I respond if I fail? Are you going to have perfect kids? No, they're going to fail. But if they've watched you and your reaction when you fail, you're going to be teaching them how to fail, how to do what you do when you fail. What happens if your husband isn't a success? You can berate him and your kids see that. Or can they watch your spirit when dad fails? Mom was there to encourage. She didn't just heap more on him. And I know mom was praying. Huh, that's what I need to do when I see failure, or I have failure in my life. So realize mistakes, God can use them, failures. Uh, my mom would come time and time again and ask me to forgive her for things. And what she, she was teaching us how to, for, how to ask forgiveness. Okay. Allow for recreation without feeling guilty. This is me, okay? Um, I am, have such an every-minute-must-count mentality that, um, that I have got to stop and not feel guilty when you have, for, have recreation, okay? Now, my husband, um, he can have a lot going, but he can smell the roses, and he just, he just li- makes life fun, okay? He, he li- so it's, it's good, um, so I make sure the details are taken care of, and he has, he has fun, okay? So, um, <clears throat> and he keeps things light for the team, so we do fun things as we travel and things, but he still ex- expects them to do, do right in, in, in details too. But anyway, don't, um, don't feel badly if you, if you go for coffee with a friend. Or, um, and in fact, try to plan with each kid to do something with them each week, okay? Now maybe you only go for um, McDonald's um, ice cream cone or something with one a week, and you, but you're, in your mind you're thinking, okay, how can I wash dishes with this person and really focus in on them? And you're trying to f- keep that relationship going with each of them. Uh, but my husband would try to rotate on, on um, Saturday mornings who he took um, for, to McDonald's for breakfast. And he would rotate, kind of rotate the girls. Okay. Um, all right, journal and, the, and have candid times of reflection. How many of you are journalers? Okay, a few of you. It's good. Um, I'm, not a, I'm not like a journal every day. But if I have concerns or I'm troubled about something or whatever, if you can journal, it it gets all those thoughts out to where you can organize them and almost just counsel yourself. And you think, okay, what would I do if, if I was talking to somebody else with this problem? Okay, I would say this, 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 and you can kind of counsel yourself in a way. Um, so journal, it's good. When you're there at night and you got all these million things that you might have to get up and just jot down stuff. 
Because when you're in that state, when I'm in that state, um, mohills become mountains. Do you know what I mean? It's my, in the morning, it's, it's not half as bad. So if you can just get up and write something down, and journaling and reflection, it helps you learn who you are. Okay, when you, when you write those things out. Change either or to both and thinking. Change either or to both and thinking. I'm not a success or a failure. I'm both. Sometimes I succeed and sometimes I fail. I'm not a beauty queen or ugly. I'm somewhere in between. And I'm 62, so I shouldn't have to feel 20. Okay? All right, you have not either, change either or to both and thinking. Grasp God's unconditional love and acceptance. We've talked a lot about that. Understand God's grace and mercy for you and grant it to others. Now, I want you to listen to this. This is so rich and so good. A perfectionist does not allow for grace or mercy for her imperfections or for others' imperfections. If perfectionists create an image of God who demands that they meet impossible standards and withholding love when they fall short, they have effectively eliminated the real God. Isn't that good? There is only one ultimate cure for perfectionism. It is found, it is profound, and yet ha- as simple as the word grace. The New Te- in the New Testament, this word has a special meaning. Now listen to this and how opposite it is from perfectionism, what grace is. Freely given, undeserved, unmerited, unearnable, and unrepayable favor. It means that God's loving acceptance of us has nothing to do with our worthiness, nothing to do uh, with our worthlessness, sorry, nothing to do with what we deserve. So take the test. If your Christian life is a burden, it is either that you have perfectionistic, um, what was it? Meritorial thinking, or you're trying to keep God's standards in self-effort instead of the power of the Spirit. Okay, now I want to go over this next chart. This next little bit we're not going to spend very long on because we're probably coming close to our, our time. Um, but you say, isn't it, don't we want our kids to strive for excellence? Yes. Don't we want to make sure that every minute counts? Yes. Well, where's the balance? Okay, so this is the balance. Set, a perfectionist sets impossible goals of perfection and must come out the winner. Excellence sets a goal to faithfully give her best effort and leaves the results with the Lord. A perfectionist is motivated to do well by fear of failure. A person per, um, pursuing excellence is motivated to do her best by gratitude to God knows God gave her this talent and wants to use it for the Lord. Perfectionist meditates on her failures or mistakes and discounts the successes. He is almost crippled for the future. Striving for excellence learns from her mistakes, forgets them, and concentrates on the future. Perfectionist takes criticism personally and defends herself, giving reasons for her mistakes. Pursuing excellence realizes she can improve from criticism and learn from it. Perfectionism thinks her value as a person depends on her performance. High performance equals high worth. 
excellence, she va is valuable to God and can never earn this value or lose it. God values us because he is good, not because we are good. Perfectionism views life as a miserable rat race and dreads the future. Excellence looks forward to future challenges, trusting God to help her do well. Proverbs 31.25 has the idea that she looks forward to the future. Perfectionism gets depressed when she fails. Excellence looks to, at how God can use her failure to make her more Christ-like and chooses to trust God and his purpose. Perfectionism compares herself to others, which can lead to pride or discouragement. Excellence does not compare. Perfectionism tries to prove her own worth. Excellence tries to show how worthy God is and seeks to minister to others. Perfectionism wants to control her own outcome or success. Excellence is willing to let God control her outcome or success. Now the next section, um, if you struggle at all with perfectionism, and maybe you don't, but maybe you have a child that does, or maybe you have a grandchild that does, and you see some of these things in their life, and you can help them do this little exercise. The first thing is to write everything that you struggle with about yourself, okay? No one loves me or cares about me. I'm too short. I can't do anything right. I'm a terrible husband. I don't have a very high IQ. I'm lazy and undisciplined. I don't manage my time well. I'm a slow learner. I'm not a good public speaker. I don't sing very well. I'm not a good athlete. I'm slow to acknowledge my, I'm slow to acknowledge my faults. Okay, now you take that list and you figure out what is accurate. This is truthful but it's not sinful, okay? I don't have a very high IQ. Well, that, you can't do much about that, right? You can do a little bit, but I am a slow learner. I'm not a good public speaker. I don't sing very well, and I'm not a good athlete. Okay, those are accurate, but they're not sinful. Okay, that helps you. Oh, oh that's just like relieving part of your weight. Okay, but you still have some other things on your list. Okay, and if that is true, read this. This is really, really good. All right, then what is accurate and sinful? I'm a terrible husband. I'm lazy and undisciplined. I don't manage my time well. I'm slow to acknowledge my faults. And I have a quick temper. Okay, well, those are accurate, but they're also sinful. So find out what God says about your sin, confess it, and make the necessary changes. Okay, then inaccurate... And you need to um, get the truth and correct your thinking. No one cares about me. Every time that comes up, you say, no, that's a lie. The Bible says, yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. God cares about me. I'm too short. Oh, that's a lie. God says, I will praise thee for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And you renew your mind in those areas for what is truth. So I hope that is a blessing to you, a help. Um, on the area of perfectionism that you, if you have some of these wrong thought processes that you can realize you're not alone and you're kind of in a category. Um, so to ask the Lord to really change your mind, your thinking in that area. Let's quick pray. We've got lots of people wanting to come in. Okay. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you love us. We thank you that you accept us just the way we are and you love us. You value us. You like us. You want to have us around. I pray that our, our focus would be um, not on achievement, but on relationship, and realize that's what you value as well. 
We want to work for you. We want to strive for excellence. We want to have sensitive consciences and spirits, but Lord, help us not to go into the area of perfectionism. In Jesus' name, amen.